This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science. What it is and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley. And me, Daniel Lagens from Eindhoven University of Technology. In this episode, we discuss Daniel Dennett's distinction between chess, or research worth doing, and schmess, research not worth doing. How can we determine whether our research is chess or schmess? Is it even possible to determine it in advance? How can we avoid being sucked into doing research that we don't particularly care about? And does our research pass the bathtub test? Enjoy. Folderol, those practices characterized by excessive ornamentation, nonsensical and unnecessary actions, trifles, and essentially useless and wasteful fiddle-faddle, including Hmm. tendencies to be fixated on theories, methods, and points of view, conducting little studies with great precision, attaching dramatic but unnecessary trappings to experiments, asking unimportant or irrelevant questions, Grantsmanship, coining new names for old concepts, fixation on methods and apparatus, (laughs) seeking to prove rather than test theories, and myriad other methodological ceremonies conducted in the name of rigorous research. So this is from a paper by Dunnett, not to be confused by Dennett, who wrote about Schmess. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of the same category of right. yeah, useless, weird, little things that people have been complaining about for a long time. This Dunnett paper is from 1966. Okay. Uh, it appeared in uh, American Psychologist. and It's called Fats, Fashion, and Folder Role in Psychology. And I had to think about it because then it also talks about yeah, fetish kind of research, right? That will not last. So that's our topic of today. Right. And as you were reading it, I was like, well, that list sounds like it, you know, encompasses everything in cycle. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things, but I think, you know, we can do some things for good. But yeah, some things go in the direction of yeah. making it a bit useless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're talking about, yeah, this kind of, yeah, faddish things, or as Dennett called it, is it schmess or chmess? I, Great I don't question. Know. Can, yeah, we can, can email him whatever we, we prefer. Can, oh, whatever yeah, we, we can want. ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Schmess. I just say schmess. Schmess. Yeah, yeah. That's and I think the first time I heard about this paper, and it's a great little paper with a lot of like mm-hmm. nice little nuggets. The first mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. I heard about it was from you. I think mm-hmm. um, I had at the time was trying to work on a project about microaggressions with some other graduate <laughs> students, and I remember yeah, I you remember. saying. <laughs> Yeah, you were like, maybe this is just schmess. Have you heard of that? I was like, no. And then I read it and I was like, yeah, may- maybe it is. So, Oh, yeah. Well, oh, those- it's interesting because I can also remember why why I would have said that, right? Why I would have said <laughs> yeah. that. And, and, and it is described nicely, I think, in this paper by Dennett about how you can, you know, somebody makes a statement that mm-hmm. is clearly wrong and an right. exaggeration. Yeah. And instead of doing what is sensible, Mm-hmm. Namely, ignoring it. Ign- yeah. 
moving on. Right. You get suckered into a discussion about something. Yeah. Uh, and you go back and forth and you do all very smart things. You write smart stuff. It's right. not that it's stupid stuff, but but you get sucked into a discussion. Whereas you would really need to take a step back and say, wait, why would we even be doing this? Right. right? Yeah. So I, I probably meant it like yeah. this. Like, are you sure you want to very... get into this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to use your intellectual resources for a discussion about this topic? Are you sure? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which it is might exactly be worth how it. you meant it. It might be worth it. And that's, we can, yeah, sort of discuss that i mean that's one of the things that um mm-hmm. because the paper is written almost it well no not not almost it is written as advice for younger philosophers in this case right mm-hmm. like like how do you avoid this trap and what the trap means i have like a bit of a devil's advocate position that i'll save for later because it'll be a little bit spicier mm-hmm. than our discuss- discussions <laughs> usually are but i before we get talking i want to ask you so the paper is written as advice for philosophy students, right? For young philosophers, I guess. And he starts by talking about how it's an a priori discipline, right? Philosophy is an a priori discipline. You can sort of sit in your room and do it by yourself, not worrying mm-hmm. at all about. Um, do you think the same the the, the same sort of issues? Is there any any difference between this and disciplines that are? a posteriori that do you actually use evidence where you are actually in touch with, right? Because you can think mm-hmm. of a priori systems can be very, you know, coherent in and of themselves. You don't need much from the outside world. But when you're doing mm-hmm. something empirical, you do yeah. need to be in touch with the real world when you're doing working with empirical data, right? So do you think there's any difference there between something like philosophy or mathematics where you can get sucked into like very, very, you know, logically mm-hmm. coherent sort of systems that make you know you can mm-hmm. sort of evaluate the rules and stuff like that but you would never have you could be going down a totally wrong path like do you think or do you think there's yeah. like more correction mechanisms in cuz you, you are you do have to interact with nature yeah so i think uh probably we could create a, a schmess likelihood um scale and and place uh sciences on this different scientific fields mm. and i would guess that something like medicine for example is relatively immune to schmess kind of Mm. research because Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. least there are people dying from something or getting sick from something. And, you know, if you're working on that, it's, yeah, I would say relatively unlikely that it's going to be schmess. I mean, I'm sure there Mm. are ways to do sort of weird, useless research and get sucked into debates there as well, but the relative likelihood seems a bit lower. Right. Mm. I don't know if it's high in a field like mathematics. Maybe, maybe not, but philosophy is high. And I think in hmm. psychology, it can also be quite high because there are also relatively little constraints in the topics we can pick. Right. We have a lot of freedom to pick a topic. And maybe we even push people to really pick their own kind of topics. So mm-hmm. you have to do something that other people are not doing. Whereas, you know, in many engineering fields, it's kind of clear what the next thing is Step that we is. want to accomplish. Right. So I feel, yeah, psychology is like closer to philosophy in the schmess likelihood that we are doing doing schmess. I feel. Yeah. And I mean, does we it are, make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And the example of medical research is good, a good one, right? They probably suffer from this a bit less than psycho. Psycho. You know, hmm. our history. You know, we're sort of the ugly stepdaughter of <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> maybe that's not the right way to phrase it but you know i mean we were originally psychology was just philosophy right we've kind of branched Mm -hmm. off from there um 
the other thing I wanted to ask you is that, um, so, we, you know, since we're talking about advice for researchers and not, not sort of getting sucked into it, and you were like, oh, yeah, somebody says something, and then you respond to it, and then you can get sucked into this sort of back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm going to say something that you will probably <laughs> not like. We'll find out. But <laughs> I But I do wonder if this sort of push to replicate things some parts of it, right? In this open science movement, there's been sort of this push to sort of replicate things. And I think that sometimes I see people in the open science movement sort of jumping on, right? Like it's one thing if you're studying something and you're like, oh, I want to build on something and let me replicate that first. I think that kind of replication is valid and everybody should be doing that. But then you have people who will just yeah, respond to others like, oh, that person, they did like, that can't be right. So now we have to like mm-hmm. do our own study to show how they're wrong. Or we want to replicate these old studies that we know are, are poorly done with like a sample size of 50, but we'll just replicate them to show how it's not actually true. So there's a lot of those kinds of things that go on where you're just trying to like hit these like one one off studies. And I, that feels a little messy to me, right? Because to me, it's mm-hmm. like, well, sh- if, if you really think that it was poorly done, well, do it better. Right. Instead of going mm. back mm. and trying to attack like um, other papers, like so. So, do you see that like in the open science movement that some of it might be a little bit schmessy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there must be um, stuff like this going on because you know it is a sort of hot topic, mm-hmm. um, and 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 Dennett mentions this that it's likely that if you are in this topic that everybody thinks it's cool and it's right. important. You know, um, but this is not good enough that other people are uh, think it's important. You mm-hmm. have to explain someone else, right? So he has a couple of these tests to see is it schmess, and one is like ask a bunch of undergraduates or something, or ask right. somebody else. So the question is, if we ask somebody like, "Hey, yeah, we're going to replicate this study. We're trying to do it very well," and and somebody's like, "But why would you even replicate this?" Um, <laughs> yeah. That makes sense to me. I have this feeling sometimes. I have this feeling. I have had discussions with people who do replications where I'm like, mm-hmm. "Why?" Why are you replicating this? I mean, the point is not just to replicate stuff, right? right. You have to think carefully about what 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 the usefulness is of having a replication of this study. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we've had discussions with people where they say, no, all replications should be published. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not all. I don't know. I mean, you have to come up with a good reason to do a replication. Right. Um, so they're not valuable in themselves mm-hmm. automatically. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess it happens. Um, probably. I don't think this is like something that uh, upsets me. I'm okay, happy to good. think that you yeah. know, the field, like all fields will have this. And actually, um, I think you can even safely say that it must be true that there is stuff that we're doing where you're like, really? Why? Like, why are we doing mm. these kind of uh, studies just, you know, because everybody else is doing it and it's interesting. And I, I have this sometimes, even, you know, on other fields, like a topic where I'm, um, ambivalent about whether it's a good thing to do or not is pre-registering certain types of research. So people make templates for certain like qualitative mm, mm-hmm, research. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. how can you pre-register qualitative research? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where this principle, if you know the principle I have for why you would do something like this, mm-hmm. don't logically extend to pre-registration of qualitative research. Mm. I understand that if everybody is creating templates for research, you're like, hey, I'm also going to create a template for my kind of research for right. pre-registration. But yeah. I'm like, does it make yeah. sense? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, no. Are we but, really solving a problem there? I don't know. Right. So then how 
I mean, he some of the yeah, he mentions a few things of like how to tell whether you're in a schmess discipline or not, which is it sounded a little similar to when we talked about whether how do you know whether you're in a cargo cult or not. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. neither of them are great. And I think he also acknowledges it. Right. Because one was, yeah, like, yeah. Can you are people outside the discipline? Would they would they be found it interesting or would they mm-hmm. want to? And I'm like, well, there's a lot of things that mostly people would not find. I mean, chess, like how many people actually play chess either? Right. <laughs> like nobody. Well, cares. I, yeah. I was explaining the topic uh, of yeah. this, this recording to my wife. And yeah. I said, yeah, you know, because some things are like schmess and that's like a game nobody plays. Nobody cares. Right. About. But other things are about chess. And she's like, yeah, that's also a game yeah. that nobody cares about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I guess yeah, there's it's difficult to find a rule like this. Right. Like oh yeah, <laughs> most people we care. Yeah, it's like nobody cares, right? <laughs> there's a very select people that care about this stuff and want to care about this stuff, and that's the people you. So that so that is you know not great. The other is like, could undergraduates yeah. be um you know made to understand it mm. at least? Like hey, this is something we're studying, and I'm like, well, a again, same thing, right? Just because you're, you could be studying something, you know, extremely esoteric that just undergrads would not mm-hmm. have an idea. I mean, if you can't explain it to an undergraduate, maybe that's a problem that you have. But mm-hmm. just because, you know, they, they will not be able to find it interesting doesn't mean it's not worth studying. The other thing, of course, is that in our discipline, most of the things, I mean, as a social psychologist that you study, undergraduates would find it interesting, doesn't make it like not no, exactly right like things yeah, like microaggressions yeah. are a lot they're in fashion right now right people mm-hmm. people are interested they would think of, of course this is something useful to study but you know we might disagree so it's like it doesn't it's it's not a great test so the question is like how do you how do you figure yeah. out and there and there's something deeply unsatisfactory about the whole paper in this respect right so it brings up this very good point, mm-hmm. you read it and you're like, yes, exactly. I, I sort of feel it. Sometimes there are these things that right. are schmess. They mm-hmm. feel like schmess. And then it's like, well, okay, but how can we actually know? And then in the end, he has to say, well, you know, there are topics where everybody thinks it might be completely useless, but then it turns out to be something. Right. Then you're like, okay, so wait, so this is actually a thing, but we can never know when it is <laughs> yeah. a thing. Right, yeah. You know, there's really no way to tell. And and I thought this was a good point for our devil's advocate question, mm-hmm. actually. So do you really think that it's so difficult to determine whether something, I mean, there are no absolutes. Right. So you don't have to be 100% sure. Right. But do you really feel that it's so difficult to judge whether things are a bit more schmess and a bit more chess? Like, do you think it's so difficult to really, as Dennett basically says? Do I think that it, it is very difficult to tell chess from schmess? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In practice? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so because I'm in that position at the moment. <laughs> and I think that uh, because it's, again, like I was talking about like earlier, right? Like you could be in, I mean, I think it might be discipline specific, like you were saying earlier, right? If you're in, mm. you know, I don't know, you're studying salmons in environmental science, that that is probably not schmessy. Although, I, I don't know. It could mm. be, right? But when you're studying things that, right, for example, like if you we're setting ego depletion and like like it's so it's even things like and i don't mean like i think i've said it before right there's some phenomena mm-hmm. there that is worth studying mm-hmm. right but that went in this whole direction of oh we think self-control is a limited resource and then they had this limited mm-hmm. resource right that was all schmess 
right? Yeah. Like that whole line of thinking about that topic in that way led to a whole like, you know, people doing studies and everybody being like, oh, it doesn't replicate. And now we have a right. Like all of that was schmess, mm-hmm. even though at the heart of it, there was something that is probably a phenomena that is, you know, useful to look at from a realistic perspective. So I do think you can fall in these traps of going into things where there's some kernel of mm-hmm. either truth or some phenomena mm-hmm. that that is worthy of studying but you're going about it in a way because because you do live in a system right so you have to build mm-hmm. on things you can't just be like i'm gonna come in now and just start everything from scratch but what if mm-hmm. what you're building on was just schmess right e- yeah. even if there might be something at the heart of it that isn't schmess you could mm-hmm. end up in these sort of theoretical systems that are you, you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah. yeah, so it's kind of close to topics that have some real right. value to study probably, yeah. but it's also very easy to go into a small yeah. detour and then you end up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if it was easy to recognize, we wouldn't be doing it, I guess. We wouldn't right. be publishing it. So, And I think there is stuff like this. And, and also this hype aspect of it, this hype mm, cycle. So mm-hmm, it, it mm-hmm, becomes mm-hmm. interesting for a while. It stays very popular and then it very quickly actually dies off. Dies down. That has been documented in many, many areas. And yeah. actually I was talking some, to somebody in material physics a while ago. Mm-hmm. And he also said in our field, this is exactly how it works. We we try to say, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this kind of thing works? And then we try for a bit. There's some initial hype, but not so reliable. And then yeah. after a couple of years, it turns out, yeah, no, we can't really do that. But, you know, everybody got their five-year funding cycle completed Uh, and it's up to the next thing. Yeah. You know, this might actually be a useful criteria to use to tell whether something is trimester or not, or at least avoid Mm -hmm. hype cycles, right? If something is very Mm -hmm. faddish, very much in vogue at the moment, I think it's good Mm -hmm. to stay... It's like, does it happen to you when some everybody's talking about a movie or a song? Then you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to it. It's probably not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no. It, yeah. it, it, there are examples like this where I think it's fetish. And like, I, I'm happy to make a prediction. I think um, some things like prediction markets uh, in meta science, mm-hmm. I think I think they will turn out to be more fetish than useful. Mm. Um, and I also have doubts about the whole many analyst kind of uh, thing that's going on mm, um really where yeah where i think in a while would be like yeah actually it was a bit more yeah anyway i have some thoughts about it maybe for future episode but i think those things are popular now i see many papers about these kind of topics um people are excited about it but i i wonder if they'll be around like but in do you think decade, they would die down yeah but i don't know maybe i'm wrong but you know i have some some feelings that some things are a bit more like that yeah, yeah. And we like so microaggressions is actually a, a great example here because it, mm. I I don't disagree with you that it's schmess, but I also think that it, it's complicated, right? I do think that all, that is also another thing that probably needs you know if somebody really wanted to study it, they should mm-hmm. do it you know carefully and thoughtfully because it's such a sort mm-hmm. of you know like a nuanced sort of a phenomena that if you really wanted to study you would have to do it really really well which i don't i haven't mm-hmm. seen so far that being done that way but that's exactly why you get sucked in sucked into it, into it. exactly because yeah. it's so obvious right. that there are things that have been said that require some nuancing and you can just add this to it so that's you know that has that is the perfect start for <laughs> slight overclaiming you know a little bit right. lack of nuance and there you're like, oh, wait, but I have something to say right. about this. Oh, that's, Conceptualization yeah. <laughs> of this thing is really badly worked out. That's what uh, I'm going to add in this discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess you are right. But I was going to say, but if nobody's <laughs> willing, right? Like, what if, you, what if you get into the schmess as a public service 
You know, you're mm-hmm. like, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is that is that okay then? Where you're like, oh, this needs to be done and nobody else, right? Something needs to be said yeah. about this in a way that sort mm-hmm. of allows other people to not fall in this trap. Like, do you mm-hmm. think it's sort of valid in that case to yeah, go into a yeah. messy subject? Because you're like, I'm trying to protect all the poor, poor souls that yeah. are going to come after that. You know, well, that's an interesting point. If it's done anyway, yeah, right. I mean, well, knowing uh, even that if you mess, say, right, yeah, exactly. Should it even prevent you from going in, or it's still like a public service? It's part of it that you have to sort of point out yeah. some aspects of it. Yeah, I think that that in general is such an interesting question because you have to. Yeah, you, you only have so much time. Like the older mm. I get, the more I realize that there's only so many things you can really <laughs> right. do well. Like in your life, in science, like it's not a lot. Like a research project takes a couple of years building expertise. So there's only so many things you can do Mm -hmm. well enough. Uh, And, you know, yeah, after like 15 years in science, you can sort of think like, okay, so I have this two more times. So what are these topics? And then you become a bit more picky. You're like, okay, so I could dive into a topic where I feel that people are getting carried away and it requires some nuance and I can contribute there to, you know, clarify what we're doing or maybe point out a confound or something. Right. And then what? Like, okay, so then this topic has been explored a little bit better and that's great. But if it will be gone in five years anyway and people stopped caring so much Mm. about it, yeah, then why would we? Do that, mm. right? You've cleaned up. Maybe, and but the thing is, of course, you don't know if it will go away after five years. Maybe your papers about it will make it go away in five years. Or right. not go away, but turn it into something that's much more interesting to study. The real thing that we really want to study, right. where this is sort of closely aligned to, right? Yeah. Because even a concept like microaggressions might be badly defined and right. a little bit unclear, like conceptually what we actually are talking about. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there is some core there that's worth studying. Right. You know, people get insulted. That's, right. that's a worthwhile topic to study, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll do it in a slightly different way, exactly as with ego depletion. Right. That wasn't the right thing, but now we're studying. Yeah, people still, you know, sometimes eat a can of crisps at the end of the evening and can't resist. <laughs> Even though <laughs> yeah. they have dieting goals, let's study this behavior because that's worthwhile. So, Right. Um, but But the question is, should you just ignore it? Or should you dive in and mm-hmm. help figure mm-hmm. this out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I I also had to think um, this topic relates to what I did in my PhD, which Hmm. was about embodied cognition. And I think embodied cognition research, Uh uh, as social psychologists did it, I mean, you can do this also in neuropsychology. It's a little bit different there. But the way we were doing embodied embodied cognition, it was, it had all the signs of a hype. It really, like there were first couple of papers doing studies in 2008 and it really sort of exploded in one or two years after this and this was when I started to do my PhD uh, or I was in in my PhD starting to do studies and I even remember that very quickly there was also a lot of criticism on this Hmm. and the criticism was actually quite severe and I remember being in a meeting about this topic where somebody else who was a bit older Mm -hmm. said I'm really surprised how quickly this this field is already being criticized. Like, you know, we were also getting a bit critical about it ourselves. We had Hmm. done some studies, then we got some critical. But you could really see this whole hype cycle go Mm. really quickly. Mm -hmm. And and I have to say that looking back, I mean, we often had feelings like, how are we writing a good introduction to our paper? We really don't have a lot to go on here. We're just doing studies. We're just looking at effects. But Mm. like we're sort of struggling like, yeah, but theoretically, what are we actually doing here? Like very weak 
yeah. series, in- introductions. Mm-hmm. And I felt this, and you're sort of like, yeah, well, I don't know. I guess this is what we're doing or something, you know? Yeah. So you're on the bandwagon, which is also what Dennett mentions. Right. But I don't think you're completely oblivious to it. And that's why we started to be a little bit critical on it ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and then very quickly, I think, yeah, it sort of dies off after a while. Yeah. But it is hard. It's almost like it's almost like asking the question, well, how do you pick what to study? And that's not an easy mm-hmm. question to answer, right? That's yeah. just definitely not an easy thing exactly. to answer. Especially not if, as Dennett says, you're not supposed to trust your peers on this. <laughs> Because yeah. they're also excited <laughs> about the same thing and they have their you yeah. know, biases and stuff. So Yeah, hmm. I, that, that's what I was going to ask you about because he's like, so don't count on the validation of your fellow graduate students or your favorite professors to settle the issue. And I was like, okay, then <laughs> what, what, what do I do then? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. But, but that is interesting. So maybe we should try to think for a moment like so what can we do because that's the most unsatisfactory part of right. the paper so that, yeah. you know it's like a, a thing we can never really see that we're there but i was thinking l- let me try one one way right yeah. so why is something chess and some other things schmess mm-hmm. and i think that chess as he also describes it at least it's a thing we see people do all the time there are many people busy with chess you know and that makes it worth studying okay so I think if you study real behavior, something that people do and spend a lot of time on, then maybe that is worth studying just because it's a thing. Just like doctors study real diseases. Mm-hmm. If, if we study things that we really observe that happen a lot, and I remember reading a paper, I should look it up what it is, but I don't remember. So I'm not doing justice to somebody whose ideas I'm now going to paraphrase. We'll put Um, it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to guess it is Rosenthal, a paper by Rosenthal. Mm -hmm. We'll put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, And he describes, look, what do people do? Well, they eat quite a lot of time. You know, they they prepare food and then they eat it with other people and they can maybe spend like an hour a day on this. That's quite a lot of their lives, basically. So maybe we should study food and eating a little bit more. Yeah. And we don't, you know? I mean, there's very little research on... It's There's not nothing. There huh. is stuff. But yeah. compared to the amount of time that people spend on something in their lives, we don't really spend so much time doing research on certain things. Hmm. And, and I think another example he gives is sex. Hmm. Now, this is a field, completely true, but I don't think, you know, they're like, it's... I don't know, maybe I'm not doing justice to sex researchers, but Mm -hmm. I feel it's a smaller field than memory research or something, you know, Mm -hmm. which is a topic that we love to, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But anyway, certain things happen in the real world and we don't spend so much time studying them. A a last example could be war, you know, it has Mm. huge impacts on people Mm -hmm. and, you know, the people there. And again, it is being studied but maybe not as much as there is war. So there is no relative relationship between how much we study things and how much they happen in the real world. And maybe that is one guide where we say, well, at least it's a thing out there that's worth studying. And maybe that makes it more uh, chess than schmess. I'm trying to think like, but there are disciplines where that wouldn't work, right? In psychology, yes. In hmm. other disciplines, maybe less so of science, right? Like if if you're Probably. if you're if you're doing yeah biochemic chemi- if you're studying biochemicals, right? 
Like mm-hmm. that, that criteria couldn't apply. But I guess for social behavioral sciences, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They, they probably need their own rules. I don't know what it is. But I mean, for us, as for psychologists. For us, for as psychologists, like, yeah. I mean, this is good for you as somebody interested in education because we put people in schools for like so many years of their lives, right? So yeah, that's an important that thing is to an, study. Exactly. <laughs> so that, yeah, that but I don't think, checks you know, out and, for me. Yeah, and it's great for work and organizational psychology. And, right, you know, c- certain fields now get a lot of benefit, but it feels like yeah, we spend a lot of time of our lives on those things. So maybe right. we should study those a spend bit more. Spend more time. Yeah. Um, but you know, but like, but think about it, right? Like, I mean, we do spend a lot of our time eating in a day, but in I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that, or like, yeah, you know, preparing food. And yeah, if you're like my aunt, then that's all you do all day is either prepare food or feed people. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> um, but but memory is just inherently more important, right, than than <laughs> eating behavior, right? It's because it's not, oh, yeah, how are you going to remember what you're going to cook, right? Like, it's it, true. It, 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 you like, need it for everything. You need it for literally basically. everything, right? Like, your sense of who you are defense. depends on on your yeah. memory, right? Like you can't. Yeah. So it's yeah. just because we don't see people doing it out in the world doesn't make it any, you know, doesn't mean that it's not a True. very, very important topic. So th- that's, I, I that would be my counter. That. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So let me try one step. So I, I feel sometimes, yeah, a topic is worth studying. Mm-hmm. But then I think that there is often research that becomes so detailed and so focused on tiny little things like, sure, you can study it, Mm-hmm. But it's not so clear why you would study this. And and I remember being in meetings as a, uh, I think, master's student at mm-hmm. the university that I used to be at. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't co- name any names. But there were people <laughs> who were hypothesizing. And that went something like this. Like, oh, there's research on this topic. Mm-hmm. There's also research on this other topic. Yeah. What if we combine both of these things in a two by two design? <laughs> so we have the one factor and we manipulate it, and we have the other factor that's manipulated, <laughs> and we combine both of them. And then you would ask, like, yeah, but why would we combine both of these in one study? <laughs> They're like, nobody's done it. Nobody's looked at the interaction between these two things. You're like, yeah, maybe because there is no reason to look at this. And and but that was really like thinking, okay, which two things can we put together in a two by two ANOVA? And there I sometimes felt like, okay, you know, even if this is about memory, you don't need to do every study like this, you know? like Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that that could be one way. But but then, okay, so if, but but the thing is, if say you are a graduate student or like a young re- researcher, which is again, what this advice is for, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you, like, if your advisor is like, oh yeah, we're going to put these two things together and now let's figure out how to do it. Like, what are you going to say? Like, No. Yeah, I think this is yeah. schmess, right? Like, I mean, the, the kind of people that he's giving advice to, like, what do you do? First of all, we don't know what to, how to figure out what to study, but a lot of people might not even have the liberty to f- pick whatever they want to study. No, right? of course, no, of course. I think that's uh, it's not up to the people who come up with studies. I mean, I think, but but often there's a range of options of things to study. Like if there's a plan, somebody worked it out, then you have to do it. Sure, there's no freedom. It's not up to the poor graduate students to decide. I think in philosophy, by the way, it's very different. So I think that's why in philosophy, you can really give the advice, like think about what you want to do because PhD students are, at least in my um, university, completely free. 
Yeah, like they can come what? up with their their own project. Right. They can decide whatever they want to do. Their supervisor would often not be a co-author on this. This is their thought process, right. their idea. So they have much more freedom than uh, yeah. I think psychologists typically do. But even then, um, in in a project, you can often say, "Well, let's go a little bit more in this mm-hmm. direction, a little bit more in this this direction." And um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel. This um, recognition is sometimes there. I really think so. So that's like earlier you said it's difficult to see. But in my experience, sometimes you sort of feel like, yeah, we're just jumping on the bandwagon. Mm. I mean, maybe you've never done this. I mean, good for you. Uh, but I do remember. <laughs> no, well, again, and in this, well, in this embodied cognition research that we did, I think we literally knew. once said to each other, like, somebody is going to do this study. Why not? Us. Why not us? Ah. I mean, I'm sure this happened in during COVID a, a lot, right? A lot of people were mm. like, oh, yeah, this is getting a lot of, you know, this is everybody's on it. There's funding available now for it. So why not? Right. I'm sure that's also mm. one of the reasons people might go into things where it's like, oh, funding is available. So somebody it's a, it's a need that needs to be filled. So why not us? Right. Why don't we apply for that grant and do this research, even though, yeah, you know, you might not think that it's totally a worthwhile yeah. chess, you know, type topic, but. Yeah, yeah, that's such an interesting one because again, it feels like this topic which you mentioned before. Like, there's a core there that's clearly interesting, right? Like, there's a pandemic going on. What right. are we gonna do? I mean, you know, that's clearly interesting. But then you get sort of diverted into, oh yeah, but we can do it sort of like this. And I think maybe some thought processes are, for example, hey, I study this topic X. Mm-hmm. How would the, you know? How would the pandemic influence this? And you're uh, like, yeah, but that that's not really interesting. Although, of course, it's very you know timely and whatever. And but yeah. that's not really interesting. So maybe something happens there where there's some core that's interesting, and every time you get a bit detracted. And we we mentioned this before that I think there are some people who during COVID they just continue to do the research they were doing. Like they weren't distracted. They didn't start to do COVID research because they're like, no, what I'm doing now is still as relevant as it was a year ago and it will be one year from now. But that is also, yeah, a very peculiar kind of drive, uh, right? Where you ignore what anybody else is doing, whatever is popular, and you are committed to this one thing because you are convinced it's chess, you know, like it's worthwhile doing. Yeah. And I mean, I will say, so, I mean, one of the main topics that I research is, I mean, what people call growth mindset, even though I don't like that term. Mm. But it's, I actually think that a lot of people think that that's schmess. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. one topic where I think a lot of people are like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's just somebody's just made up something. And now they're just trying to popularize it. Um, I mm-hmm. sort of disagree just because I think there's something there. And it has a sort of rich sort of history, you know, um, to it. But it is something I definitely see where it's like, oh, yeah, and there there is funding for it, right? So it's not like mm-hmm. it is sort of a flashy faddish thing that I think a lot of people mm-hmm. have sort of globbed onto. And um, so that's kind of a weird position to be in, right? Also, because then I'm like, but is it like I have to like sort of mm-hmm. think over it again? Like, yeah, is is it is it actually schmess like people think it is or, you know, are they wrong? I don't know. Actually, yeah. I don't know what the answer is, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, we're not give, giving or getting anything to determine whether it is or yeah, isn't, right? So, I mean, right. all these things are so difficult. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so, okay, so I tried to think of maybe it's stuff that we do in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that that's it. And uh, But how about it translates into applied research that makes the world a better place eventually? So, we start to implement these mindset procedures, mm-hmm. 
and and they just become a staple of every school. Every Monday morning, people do something because we know that improves education. You know, I mean, then it's clear that it wasn't schmess, right? Right. Um, but couldn't you have something that's implemented across the, which is actually totally useless and we don't, I mean, yeah, how, but, do, do we know for sure that, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we really did rigorous research. Decade later, yeah. we did large, well-controlled studies on it. Right. It really seems to have the effect. To that have we the effect we had. And, yeah. Then I guess you're right. It would be. Right? It would be considered um, chess. One great example yeah. of this, something similar, which again comes from this is kind of work I would personally like like to do. So what's called wait time? Have you mm -hmm. heard of the concept? I mean, people use no. it all the time, but it came from originally came from. A Stanford um, education researcher, Mary Bud Rowe, where they said, where they looked at like how good the quality of answers were after like instructors waited a little bit, teachers waited a little bit before they. Oh, okay. So there's different kinds. Ah. So like, do you wait after you ask a question, give students time mm -hmm. to think about it, and then also like mm -hmm. after you ask a question, wait before you actually solicit answers, and it actually mm. well they showed that it leads to sort of better answers more sort of rich right because you're giving people time to think and they're right so it's so like richer it's a better way to do it and it's now you see it all the time right people will do it all the time i don't think anybody realizes that that's where right but somebody actually mm -hmm. did do the research right like look at actual classrooms and teachers and come up with it this idea and then it becomes popularized and so i think education research is one of those really fun i think like what makes it really sometimes fun and also interesting and, and sort of meaningful is because you can actually see it going on into the real world and then it gets adopted mm -hmm. when it actually works. And so I, th that's, I, th I think one of the reasons why the idea of growth mindset also has picked up with, I mean, you, you have people on either side of it, but it's definitely one of those things that teachers will pick up on and sort of um, really try to emulate. The only thing that I sometimes worry about is that th at the core of it is the idea that intelligence is malleable right that it's mm -hmm. something that mm -hmm. and i'm like but if that's just a fact then why is it not not in the textbook because then you don't have to do an intervention on it and you'd be like oh it's just true right yeah here it is in the yeah. textbook that's all you need right you didn't need an intervention it's just a fact then right yeah yeah, yeah. this is a yeah. bit of a digression but um i don't know but at least going. Yeah. i mean these practical aspects of a study eventually prove you right right, right. that it wasn't just um Schmess, but it really Schmess. has some some consequences, which I guess is a benefit for us compared to philosophy. Right. Um, not everything immediately ends up somewhere in some way, but eventually it should be used as a reliable source in something else. Right. Right. Yeah. But say yeah. But say you are as a so so imagine like not just you on your own, but even as a discipline, if you're trying to figure out which parts of our discipline are schmess versus chess. Mm -hmm. He, I actually thought it was interesting that his views on both regulation and consensus are different than ours because we've done two episodes on, hey, maybe mm. we should try to get people together and have consensus and maybe yeah. we should try to have like some kind of regulation. And he says he's against them both because he says voting would not yield results worth heeding and dictatorship would be even worse. So let mm -hmm. a thousand mm -hmm. flowers bloom, I say, mm -hmm. uh, which we also mentioned yeah. at some point before. But yeah, I was we like, oh, discussed this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, yeah. he's against both consensus and regulation when, when trying to determine. Yeah. And that is interesting because, okay, maybe your uh, immediate uh, graduate students and maybe your professor are enthusiastic about it. But I do wonder what would happen if we would just really open it up for a vote. 
yeah, you know, vote, like how important is this? Is this valuable? And then people can also elicit, you know, criticisms on this and see and think about it. And this is always a topic where I'm like, I would just wonder what would happen if we would honestly do this. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe it would be interesting. And, and yeah, we would have to would have you, people who feel comfortable criticizing a bad research this, line, which now is difficult. But this yeah. is the starting point. I feel like of all psychology research, Daniel, somebody's <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to find out. Wouldn't it be interesting if we? Did? I just want to see what happens. Yeah, just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yes, exactly. But because it's so clear in the yeah. in his writing, like he's saying, yeah, this wouldn't work at all, and right. uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. I mean, mm. we do have discussion meetings and yeah, hmm, I yeah. don't know. Um, may maybe, maybe not. Um, and maybe you would get really boring research. So one thing that I think is a risk if you don't play around with it and you mm -hmm. start to play it safe. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get real innovation, right? So you, um, and he, he mentioned this in the end. And, and that's yeah, a very, yeah. mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. important factor. Right. Like we, right. we just need to take a little bit of uh, schmess mm -hmm. because it, within it, there are some things that we would not have predicted would become interesting stuff, mm. but they did, right? Yeah. So that is just the riskiness sort of of, uh, of doing science. And that is very important to keep, of course. Yeah. And I think it it's a very important point, but then it sort of invalidates everything else he's saying, right? Because yeah. you're like, we, yeah. never, we never know. Then it's like, well, then we never know. And it's, yeah. I feel like there's a very similar conversation now going on on the other side of it, right? Here we're talking about what might be useful to do, but you have on the other side of it now people talking about research that could cause harm, mm -hmm. right? That could be harmful for people. We should be careful about that. And then you're like, but how would you ever know, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how could mm -hmm. you ever anticipate all the ways in which it could go wrong? Just the way you can't anticipate all the ways it could be useful. You can't, mm -hmm. you, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's just... Yeah, yeah. We don't really know what we it don't really know, right? To. And and yeah, any decision you make is either very um risk averse right. or not, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I wonder I wonder if curiosity should be the only guide, right? Like mm. you were saying, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to know? And if people just follow mm -hmm. I mean, I think Bacon mm -hmm. might not agree with that, but mm -hmm. But what if we're like, yeah, only like if you think this is interesting and you just want to know the answer, mm -hmm. right? Then mm -hmm. it then it's sort of irrelevant whether it's useful or might be useful. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it would be pretty interesting because I still think that doesn't happen. So not even when people um, get sucked into a research line, mm -hmm. I don't always think that they think, oh, this is really my curiosity is really. I agree, and that's here. why I think they should be using yeah. curiosity as a trigger, right? Not like, oh, there's mm -hmm. funding for it or not because my advisor thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it should be more like, yeah, mm -hmm. do you really want to know the answer to this? Yeah, do you really want to know the answer to this? It's a good point because I think often, like I said, like when uh, we did this first embodied cognition study, mm -hmm. we were like, hey, somebody's going to do it. Why not us? Yeah. But I don't think that That's looking not a back, good reason. That was, no, there was not a good reason at all. I mean, yeah, sure, we got a paper. I mean, a not yeah. replicable paper, of course, because this was 2009. So, yeah. you know, we did th that wrong as well, not right. just that it wasn't really interesting. Yeah. But, but exactly, like, right. I, I don't think we were particularly committed to knowing the answer it mm -hmm. was definitely happening uh somebody was gonna do this next study right. we thought why not us mm. and and then we did it and yeah looking back exactly like i don't think we were really curious right 
about what about this and and i think that's why even you know not very long after we became quite critical on this idea itself yeah. but that is actually also super risky because you didn't really care about it to begin with and then you start to criticize this thing that you didn't really care about so mm-hmm. why don't you just move on you know and that's really i think one of the things that is maybe the most actionable in dennett's paper like that you recognize where you're getting sucked, sucked into, into. Yeah. a topic mm-hmm. and maybe you should really think yourself okay are you just trying to prove somebody else wrong mm-hmm. like saying hey they made a mistake over there i'm gonna right. point out that you have a mistake or or are you thinking hey man i can write something about this and i can get a paper out of it like mm-hmm. what is your motivation right. to do it but maybe if you are letting yourself be guided by curiosity mm-hmm. yeah you already circumvent this to a certain extent i don't know given that we never know what's going to come out i like it as a guide yeah. Good. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think it probably also improves, maybe not a lot, but improves the quality of your work, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's like if you're if you're like, I really just want to know the answer. Right. Then maybe you will Mm -hmm. do a little bit more of the bending over backwards. Like, oh, how could be wrong? Because you want to get to a correct answer or like get Mm -hmm. to the, you know, truth in some sense. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I guess if you have to lecture again to these undergraduates about it, I mean, okay, it's not a perfect test. But I think if you can really explain like why you find something super interesting, yeah. that is stuff that people hmm. are, yeah, that, that inspires people. That they, it they really become does. Motivated. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really does. Mm-hmm. When you hear somebody talk about things that they actually are curious about, you know, mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, I just think it's so interesting and I want to know. It's, it is right. Yeah, you're right. It is very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. So it might pass that test as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's even easier if you find things interesting that nobody else finds interesting. You're just like, no, but I just really want to know because then your peers are not pressuring you. And I mean, sometimes you can do a research topic that where I'm like, yeah, but I just really want to know the answer to this thing. Right. Or I just, it doesn't matter if anybody else cares or not. Right. Yeah. Because now I have the freedom to sometimes do projects like mm-hmm. this. I'm like, okay, but I just really want to have a very clear line of reasoning here. Like what's going on? Really get down to the core of it and understand it. Mm-hmm. And and then I know. Then I know this, you know? Yeah. And, and is it really relevant for other people? I don't know, but I really, you know. And these are also projects, by the way, where I very quickly get into, you know, or sometimes I can get into this zone mm-hmm. where you're just getting a little bit obsessed about it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, these yeah. projects. I do I do other kind nice. of projects where I just think ah, this is just important to know. We need to have this data point. We need to have this estimated, for example, sometimes in a meta scientific project. Mm-hmm. Just want to know like, okay, how are people what are people doing now? Let's code some stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's know where we are so that mm-hmm. we can see what the problems are, what we need to improve. But those are rarely the kind of things you get obsessed about or passionate. Yeah. It's important, but okay. But these other things really sometimes, uh, you know. I'll yeah. stop emailing people back for like five days and I'm just going to work like work crazy. Like, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That, you know, that's, I think um, Carol Dweck um, talks about it at some point in one of her more advicey papers where she says, it's mm-hmm. like, I, when I was thinking about a research topic, I thought, well, I think she calls it like the bathtub test. Whereas mm-hmm. like, were you thinking about it while taking a bath? Mm. Like, is it a topic nice. that you would think about it when you're just, you know, on your own taking a bath? And oh, it, nice. Yeah. Isn't mm. that kind of yeah. neat? Yeah. And I think she, at the time, she was like, oh, whatever I was doing, it didn't pass the test. So I pivoted to something else. But nice. I think it's, a, nice. yeah, I think it's like what you're saying, right? Is it something that you just are obsessed over mm-hmm. and you actually think about it on your downtime? Yeah. Yeah. 
and and I like that it's the bathtub test. So because I sometimes have this uh, thing where I say, you know, if you have a topic that you really think about, it's a great excuse to take a really long shower, you know, because you can think <laughs> that's about That's where the good it. ideas come. Yeah. yeah, that's where the good ideas are. You think about it and it's a right. great excuse to have a bit of a longer shower than right. maybe is environmentally good. And uh, But it's the same thing. Like, right. okay, so yeah, in your downtime, in those kind of moments, you keep thinking about it. Right. Yeah, that's a pretty good pretty good criteria test. for something yeah. i think so i don't know but i yeah. hope so i hope that that's a good criteria for things that will turn out to be probably more likely to be chess you know yeah, yeah. and even you know i mean and we should also acknowledge i guess since this advice is given to younger scholars i guess um that some of it not necessarily has to sort of you know you could be doing chess but you're still learning things, right? You're still I, learning I think, things. Some, yeah. You might not have control over what you get to do, so you can do it, but you know, you'll still mm -hmm. learn things mm -hmm. on the way, and it might not be a total waste in that sense, right? No, and your argument before, like, well, you are correcting the scientific record in some right. way, so maybe yeah. somebody needs to do it, but I think it can be very fun because mm -hmm. you are, I mean, there is mm -hmm. a reason we get sucked into it, so there is a motivation. <laughs> There's some gravitation, yeah. Some yeah, people, and it yeah. might not be curiosity, but it might be passion. You might right. be able to try to, you know, yeah. point out. Yeah, I guess it's often the case that you want to point out that somebody else is wrong. wrong. Yeah. Right? I can't remember if we mentioned this on the podcast, but some, what is it? Like, if you want if you want, if you want to know the correct answer to a question, hmm. then post the wrong answer, right? Because then yeah. somebody will... I think you, you told me that, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that's a nice example of... Um, um, what happens in science, I think. And um, I, I did find this very educational young when I was younger. Like it was a drive to really, you know, get into an argument, figure stuff out. Yeah. I've heard, so sometimes I've heard people make the argument that we should worry a little bit more now that we are doing better, um, you know, more open science, mm. better, you know, getting mm. better at vocations and stuff. Like we should stop worrying so much about type one errors and worry a little bit more about type two errors. And so it's fine mm. for people to make bolder claims and, you know, put things out, even if they might be wrong, because then it will mm -hmm. get corrected and science will correct itself. But that mm -hmm. I think is, you know, I mean, I think Dennett would argue against that. Um, and, and I think I would too, right? Because it's like, yeah, then you you end up in people making, and bold claims do get you a lot of traction, mm -hmm. right? That's if yeah. you make something, if you make a controversial claim, then people mm -hmm. would be motivated to sort of challenge what you're mm -hmm. saying. And that will lead to its own... A hype cycle, right? Like it will lead yeah. to this schmessy thing. So I think, yeah, I'm not sure I agree with th those arguments of like, oh, people should be allowed to make bold claims because that's how science yeah. progresses. Because I think it leads people off onto these really, you know, time consuming tangents that are mm -hmm. not worth, not worth the time. Making a claim invites criticism. It mm -hmm. basically invites this, hey, but I want to prove you wrong. Mm. Um, because this is the way that ideas are criticized and really tested you know uh, if somebody else wants to prove it wrong and then you get a back and forth mm -hmm. so this is uh, uh, popper's conjectures and refutations mm -hmm. and this dynamic might be something that science needs yeah. so so maybe we also don't want to get rid of this whole hmm. uh, system where some some things are a little bit like schmess mm -hmm. you can dive in uh, and want to criticize it maybe yeah. uh, prove that it's not what it is yeah um because every now and then there will be a secret thing in there that is worth uh, studying that will survive. Mm -hmm. It turns out to be chess, actually. We didn't know about this, mm -hmm. but it is. Um, yeah, and the rest, uh, 
is criticized, but that doing that criticism is also very educational. It sharpens right. the mind. I, I And I really think this. Hmm. Like, one of the things I liked when I was much younger, and I still like the debate on Twitter, maybe a bit less, but I really liked it when <laughs> really? I was younger. Because it really feels like, you know, you're being pushed to mm. really make good arguments. Somebody says something, you say something, then you're not completely sure if you're actually right about it. You go and read some papers, <laughs> you look into it, you're like, oh, no, here, like, look, look, this is a quote, this is stuff. And, you know, and you oh, you get like nice. in this yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah dynamic, it feels like. And I, I learned a lot of stuff. I was probably mm. wrong quite a lot of the time right. back then. You know, sometimes yeah. I would just make a statement and it wasn't correct. Uh, so I should be very grateful for all the people who are patient Corrected enough. You. <laughs> yeah. And maybe I should be a bit more patient now with younger people <laughs> trying the same thing. But this dynamic has some sort of role. You Value. Know? Even if it's about nothing. Like who cares in the end about some of these things we were debating. But learning, learning to debate something and criticize something is a pretty important skill. So even if you learn it on something, so maybe I should reconsider. You should write that paper about micro. <laughs> Do it. No, I mean, I mean yeah. it's educational. I mean, it's it's on my list. Once I've uh, you know <laughs> got my existential angst under control, um, it's okay. one of the first things I'll do. But I mean, yeah, I, I guess. Well, the only thing I mean, I think you're absolutely right, right? The sort of back and forth is a lot of it's it's like fuel for people, right? To to have this, mm -hmm. and I've you know even in science you have these people trying to refute each other it's very motivating when you're like oh somebody said something wrong or somebody challenging what you're saying so you know you have to respond and that's very motivating um yeah. and gets you going and i think and i think you're absolutely right that it, building that skill of okay yeah making arguments and having a back and forth with somebody there probably very mm -hmm. good skill to have when you're talking about publishing things though things are that, mm -hmm. that are going to go mm -hmm. on the record as you know yeah yeah. That I'm like, well, maybe no, that, right. that's maybe. not the right avenue for that for that practice. We, we you keep know? <laughs> we keep the Schmess debating mainly on social Twitter, media, yeah. some other yeah, places. Yeah. Then and it's we fine. Keep our yeah. journals a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, I think the, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So we could even have you know an like a yeah academics forum for like that's works has that capacity. I maybe Twitter's just fine for it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, could work. Some. Yeah. I, I agree. Some other outlets probably better. So apart from arguing with people on Twitter, like if I asked you, like, what advice would you leave young, you know, researchers with mm -hmm. about either like figuring out chess from schmess or how to avoid schmess or how to deal, mm -hmm. yeah, how to navigate this thing of like, yeah, how do we figure out what to do and make sure that we're not doing something that's, mm -hmm. you know, garbage. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I liked your um, rec recommendation to follow curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I I sometimes had curiosity, but I also had a certain yeah feeling of importance. Like just I thought mm. certain things were just important because often it was something like, why are we doing it like this or not like this? Or why aren't we? Very often I'm still motivated by things like, why are we not? in this whole podcast, by the way. <laughs> Why are we not talking about this topic? You know, that's something that very often comes back. Right. But I think also in my work, like why Why is nobody talking about this? Yeah. And and you just, so there's some, hmm, yeah, feeling of why? Why are we doing this? Like, and, and that is a driver to then work on this topic, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, and I'm not sure if it's curiosity or more like, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like how know. would you define like what what makes something important? In, yeah, in your, yeah, yeah. But but in any case, it feels important. Mm -hmm. You know, it really feels deep down inside. It feels important. important. Yeah, and 
And, and this is for me one of the main reasons I moved away from this type of embodied cognition research that mm. I was doing. And even like I even moved away from embodied cognition research, but then into just more traditional cognition research. Mm. Uh, and I wrote some papers sort of criticizing some of the ideas in embodied cognition saying, no, these are just basic cognitive processes. There's nothing embodied about it. But then I felt like, why am I creating this debate about is it embodied? Is it not embodied? It felt like a a bit of an artificial mm. discussion to have. Mm. And sometimes I wonder, like, can we even answer this question without really reading out people's brain processes live? I mm -hmm. don't think we will ever be able to answer it. Mm -hmm. Why would we be doing this? And then there were other things that I really felt much more like I felt it was important. And this is complete survivorship bias because maybe <laughs> there are many people who have this feeling and it doesn't work out. Right. But in my case, at least that was, um, yeah. That did work out. And I think there are probably things, you know, in our society where we can think this is really important, but not just the topic is important, mm -hmm. but you can do something, something that really is a worthwhile contribution because maybe nobody is doing something about a certain topic. People are not thinking about it. People are not asking a question. I mean, there are many topics that many other people are also studying because they're big topics and important. And then you might actually end up doing a two by two. Well, nobody combined these two factors <laughs> together. I mean, that's not, you know, it's right. also an important topic, but so it's not just an important topic, but I also felt like, I think I can do something here. I can think, I think I can make a real contribution if I work on this. Right. Hmm. It's not very concrete, but anyway, so instead something, of curiosity, but there is a conviction, important. like right. a feeling of conviction. I didn't have that about many other things I hmm. did before. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a good pointer, but it brings me to a question that I did want to ask. And I, so, hmm. it, so at some point he says, well, chess is a deep and important human artifact, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a, right? Like that's, and it's like, yes, it is, but it is a human made thing hmm. right it, it is the the whole concept of chess is um you know mm -hmm. um artifactual and who decides yeah. what's important right like if everybody today started instead of chess started writing and you know discussing Fortnite, and suddenly Fortnite, right like mm -hmm. is are we going to think Fortnite is an important um yeah. thing like who you know like it could and i'm sure people who you know are really into Fortnite think that's very important right that's objectively feels mm -hmm. important right yeah so it's like how do we and that I think is the other thing that I th I think about is that chess is of course a human made system. People do study things that aren't human made. Like, is there distinctions there? But even if you're mm -hmm. working within sort of you know man made created systems and you're trying to study them, yeah, how mm -hmm. do you know? Like, if everybody started talking about it, would it suddenly become important? Yeah, yeah, and and it is peculiar because it is so artificial. Yeah. Chess. So yeah. it's in some way it's a very weird comparison to say chess <laughs> and smash because I mean both of both these of are them yeah and like yeah very artificial said, yeah nobody plays yeah. chess either yeah right it's like <laughs> no exactly exactly I mean uh, although I mean now I think it's like the more prize money you get which I think is also what happens with Fortnite mm. right all of these e games mm. things they're becoming mm. more popular because you're getting more money for them just like i think mm -hmm. people yeah. yeah you know play chess a bit more and respect it a bit more mm -hmm. based on how much yeah. prize money you get right yeah and in a way it's perfectly justifiable so what should we study things that are popular you know and it's sort of like oh, things that things that a lot of people spend time on yeah well you know, yeah okay then i guess i'll start studying the kardashians tomorrow <laughs> like I don't know. it's like <laughs> uh, i mean i was we were in london and we were at a 
it was so interesting. I mean, we were uh, in a, a castle, uh-huh. one of the royal castles, um, and there was an exhibition on fashion. Mm-hmm. There were dresses, mm-hmm. uh, clothing. Uh, half of the clothing was from now famous people, mm-hmm. like the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. There was definitely one thing from Kardashians. Mm-hmm. There was a picture of them, and and the other half was of yeah royalty mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. seventeen hundred or something. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Kira was like, yeah, but this is the dress that Beyonce wore when <laughs> she was pregnant. Like this is like an icon. Like this dress, it's standing right here in front of us. Like this is the dress, and I'm just like. Wow, what's going on here? <laughs> like it's it's a dress, sure. Like what's you know, the big deal? but it, it but yeah, but it's a big, but it is a big deal. So what, yeah, and if it's a big deal for people, maybe we should study it. You oh know? God, Daniel. Then I then I then I think we will end up just only studying like eating and the Kardashians and you know who. Wore but there's something behind yeah. this. Yeah, you study what's behind this. Uh, like, what makes these hmm, things so meaningful right. for people? Of course, you don't just study like how often do the Kardashians say something or how many right. hours do people. Yeah. No, but, but you're what's like, the what phenomena makes... behind? Right. Yeah. What What drives them to really care about? Yeah, and... yeah. 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 And yeah, what you're saying at least means that you've observed something in the world, and you're like, oh, there's something, some phenomena that I see out there. So it has to be yeah, true. The Kardashians, the Kardashians I mean, and now huge, I just want to. Yeah, and if you're that's what you're really curious about, sure. But I mean, of course, you and I both know that the kind of respect you would get as a Kardashian researcher is um, <laughs> very minimal, you know. Yeah, there's even the Kardashian index. Do you know this? No. <laughs> In science? Yeah. So, I mean, you have what? your H index. Yeah. You have your H index. No, it really Wait, exists. You- and, but your, your Kardashian index is something like the number of papers you've written divided by the number of Twitter followers. So it is an index of you being very popular, but you didn't really do anything special. You don't have the publications, you know? Like, so it's okay if you have like a hundred publications and you have a lot of followers, you're an important person. But if you have like three papers and like 10,000 followers, you're a Kardashian. Like you didn't accomplish anything, but you're very popular. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. That Mm. is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I do feel that very often we are doing things that we don't really feel. Are important or important we don't feel this passion about it right and again if you are doing a phd it might not be up to you right you, know, you you have a project you hope it is interesting you you know you'll learn a lot you might not have the feeling but later in life you'll get more freedom yeah you'll get the freedom to choose and then i think there's still many people who think okay but this is going to get me a high impact publication Right. You know, and I don't think that is the goal because (laughs) those things might be the hype. Yeah, they will get you a high impact publication because this is the hype. This is what everybody thinks. Oh, exciting, exciting. Mm -hmm. But maybe if you think about it in this whole life perspective, you know, like, okay, so I have so many studies I can do in my life. Mm -hmm. What are the things that I want to really have done? Um, Yeah, Yeah. that's a different kind of question. And uh, so I guess the conclusion is like we don't really know. <laughs> no, we have L- a very what? unsatisfactory <laughs> ending of this episode. Like the paper, it's just like let a thousand yeah. flowers bloom, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but yeah, maybe I feel comfortable recommending something that you feel actually really passionate about, about because even if it turns out to be schmess, yeah. you at least you did it with conviction, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's even worse to come up with something that was schmess and you're like, yeah, damn it. And I didn't and really if, yeah. thought it was important anyway. Like <laughs> right. that, that feels even worse. Yeah. So, yeah. So go study Kardashians with, with conviction. Yeah. If that's what if you're that's passionate what... about, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Milius in Verba. Our theme song is Newton's Cradle by Grand Brothers. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or comments you'd like to share, you can reach us over email at nelliusinverbapod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at Mastodon or Twitter. In this episode, we reflected on how to distinguish useful research questions from useless ones, or as Dennett calls it, distinguishing chess from schmess. We reflected on how curiosity and a personal conviction might be good guides to follow, but also admitted that a game of schmess might be fun and educational. In our next episode, we will ask ourselves, are we smart enough to do science? We hope you will join us. <laughs>